This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Ken Smetters. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money here in Sirius XM's Business Radio Channel 111. It's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Kent Smethers, a professor here at the Wharton campus in Philadelphia. Remember, we're live every Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 to 4 p.m. for those of you in the West Coast. And the purpose of the show is simply to help you make better decisions with your money. We often focus on ways to increase your productivity and your income. But most of the show, we talk about ways to wisely spend and save your money, including things like paying down debts, buying insurance, and of course, how to invest your money. And really, the most fun part of the show is we take your calls throughout the entire show and give you advice about your own financial needs. Remember, you can connect with me online by going to my website, which is simply kentonmoney.com. I don't have a new blog entry there uh, in probably a few months. I'm working on that. have a big backlog. Just been traveling uh, too much, but I'll get that updated. But I do have a a list of advisors there, uh, pre-screened for my approach to fee only. Remember, only fee only. And also agree with my approach to low-cost passive index investing. So today I'm joined by three great guests. Uh, First will be Steve Vernon, who's the president of Rest of Life Communications. And we're going to be talking about a huge decision in your life as you approach retirement, and that's uh, the the Medicare claiming um, decision. He wrote um, a recent article on on CBS Market Watch. Um, And then later I'll be joined by two financial planners. The first will be Eric Roberge, of uh, Beyond Your Hammock, and we're going to be talking about the importance of enjoying today while uh, planning for tomorrow, an um, important topic, but uh, of course, taking your calls about anything related to your finances. Then later in the show, we welcome the first time to the show, uh, Drew Tignanelli, who is uh, a president of Financial uh, Consulate, and we're going to be talking about uh, 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 small business owners in particular. So if you want to know how to invest your money, save for retirement, your kids' college, really anything about your money, that could be paying you know, off debt, budgeting, buying insurance. Uh, just give us a call here, live on Tuesday. This is here at one eight four four Wharton, just like the school name W H A R T O N. It's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, and we'll talk about your own situation. You have to give us your first name and the state you're calling from, so never a reason to be nervous or shy. And thousands of other listeners will uh, benefit hearing the advice given to you about your own financial needs. So my producer Michelle is standing by and ready to line up your calls again live on Tuesday. So pick up the phone, and give me a call here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four. Nine four two seven eight six six. With that, let me introduce my first guest, Steve Vernon, who's the uh, president of Rest of Life Communications in Stanford, uh, California, a place I know quite well. He's also a research scholar at the uh, Stanford Center on Longevity and the president uh, of Rest of Life Communications. And he's uh, very active in research, writing, and speaking on many of the challenging issues that f- retirees face today, including finance, health and lifestyle, um, and he has a twice-weekly blog column on retirement strategies for the CBS Market Watch, as well as his forthcoming book called Retirement Game Changers, Strategies for a Healthy, Financially Secure, and Fulfilling Long Life. That's going to be published this spring. So welcome to the show, Steve. 
Well, thanks, Kent. Thanks for having me today. And we're going to be talking about your article on the most important Medicare uh, decision. Medicare, you know, incredibly valuable uh, benefit. So if listeners out there have a question, especially about Medicare, it's a complicated area. Um, just give us a call here, one eight four four Wharton. Again, that's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So, Steve, in your article, you say the first thing people need to be sure they understand is kind of the four different parts of Medicare, and it's kind of, you know, strange to people. You got Part A, Part B, Part C, and a D. Um, so let's go through each part because it is a little confusing to people. Let's start with Part A. Well, what does Part A do? Well, and Ken, it's good to make this distinction because if you're working, you're typically covered just by one plan, your yeah. employer's plan, and you don't think of different plans to pay attention to. But Medicare has four parts, and so Part A covers just hospital and inpatient expenses. Um, for most workers, there's no additional premium that they have to pay. Uh, when they reach age 65, the eligibility age for Medicare, then they are eligible to participate in Part A yeah. for no additional premium. Yeah, and, and so as uh, workers, you know, they see you know, uh, contributions being taken out of the payroll, um, that's going in part to Part A. So talk to me about then um, uh, Part B. So Part B would be outpatient expenses, typically for doctors, nurses, but also some rehab, physical therapists. So it's really anything that's, any service that's delivered outside of a hospital. Yeah. And for that, Part B, there is an additional premium that you're required to pay. And for most workers and most retirees in 2018, it's $134. Um, but the, the government does have uh, additional premium for affluent retirees. So you might yeah. be paying a higher premium than I just mentioned. Yeah, and that was actually controversial when they. It was really the first time they started doing means testing of one of the major entitlement uh, uh, programs uh, there. And so Part B, as you pointed out, know, Part A is about inpatient uh, care. It's, we go to the hospitals, you stay, or a short-term stay at a skilled nursing facility. And Part B being an outpatient care. And as you pointed out, there's a, a monthly premium associated with that, although it is you know, heavily subsidized, three-quarters of its money still coming from general uh, revenue. Okay, so Part C is one of those areas that's getting a lot of investigation by economists. Uh, as you know, lots of activity in the healthcare economists about Part C. It's still a program that a lot of people don't quite understand the Medicare Advantage. So explain that one. So Medicare Advantage is an alternative to traditional Medicare. So let's just distinguish traditional Medicare. You'll you'll get Part A. You'll get Part B. And you'd have to actually separate, uh, separately uh, arrange for prescription drugs, right. which is Part D, and right. we'll cover in a little bit. But Part C combines all of those into one package. So Part C actually is, operates a little bit more like what you're typically used to while you're working, is that in one integrated package, you've got all the different services covered. The big difference is that with Part C, you typically are restricted to using the healthcare providers in the network. So it's a managed care environment. Whereas if you are going original Medicare with parts A, B, and D, then you're able to self-refer 
to doctors who accept Medicare reimbursement. Yeah. So that's the big difference between Part C and then the other traditional parts. And we're seeing, as you know, tremendous growth in Part C over time. It was dormant for quite a long time, but tremendous growth. Um, what, what do you think that is, what's driving that? Is that, you know, it, a lot of doctors don't take Medicare anyway if, for, if you're a Part A, B, and D type? Or what do you think is driving um, uh, the Part C growth? Is it simply the cost? Uh, uh, your thoughts? Well, uh, it's a couple factors, but probably leading the charge is cost mm -hmm. because um, if you go the Medicare Advantage route and also um, if you compare it to purchasing original Medicare and Medigap, yeah, Medigap. a little bit, yeah. Um, you might end up spending lower premiums than uh, with a Medicare Advantage plan. Yeah. And so the trade-off here is that lower monthly premiums potential, but then restriction to using providers within their network. And that's yeah. the basic trade-off between Medicare Advantage and using original or traditional Medicare. Yeah, and Part D, you, you also briefly touched on, um, it's, it certainly helps when we think about drugs. It starts with the letter D. Um, to rem remember, it, it's kind of the latest addition um, to uh, a, a Medicare that was very controversial as a political point in the Bush administration, and pricing that out <laughs> was very costly, especially as you went beyond the 10-year um, uh, budget window. So just to summarize for people, you know, you have the Part A, B, and D. That's kind of traditional Medicare with prescri prescription drugs and or, you know, Part C, which, you know, comes with all those, but to simply um, less choice. So if one elects um, traditional Medicare, you're kind of risk averse. You go with A, B, and D. Then you say, hey, I want to switch over to C or vice versa. What are the rules around that? Well, and that's where um, the the rules can create a trap for the unwary. Yeah. And so uh, I became familiar with this because actually I'm turning 65 and I'll be going on Medicare in May 1st. I'm so curious. I had to investigate. You don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but which direction are you going to go? Oh, I'm going to go Medigap for the reasons I'm about ready to describe. Okay. All right. Um, but I had, I had to investigate this and learn all this for myself, having written about retirement strategies for years. Now yeah. it's time to do it for myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, um, Medicare Advantage, like I was mentioning, the the they package your services into one package. You're yeah. between hospital and outpatient and drugs. Mm -hmm. And that feels more familiar to workers who have worked under one retirement plan. Yeah. So conceptually, it's easier to think about. And you might have lower premiums. Mm -hmm. But the, the big issue is that you, when you approach age 65, you have a one-time chance to elect the original Medicare route plus Medigap, which I'll explain in a little bit, yep. um, or take Medicare Advantage. Let me just explain Medigap for the moment, yeah. um, because people tend to think, "Oh, I've got Medicare, I'm covered." Well, no. They're, again, they're contributing. They're comparing that to a worker's policy that probably had some kind of out-of-pocket limit. Uh, Medicare does not have an out-of-pocket limit, and Medicare has substantial deductibles and co-payments that come out to thousands of dollars. Yeah. So a Medigap plan will be a plan that will pay for the deductibles and co-payments that Medicare applies. 
And again, there's going to be a premium for a Medigap plan, and that can be a few hundred dollars a month. Yeah. And so if you go the original Medicare route, and if you also want to be covered for the substantial deductibles and co-payments, you buy traditional Medicare and you buy a Medigap policy. So that's one way to go, and that way gives you the most flexibility with self-referring to doctors. Um, you can switch doctors. Anybody, any doctor who's taking Medicare reimbursement, you can self-refer to. Mm-hmm. By contrast, if you go Medi- Medicare Advantage, um, you are restricted to using the doctors in the network. And so here's the trap for the unwary that a lot of people fall into, is that they're reach age 65, they're healthy, and they say, you know, I want the lower premium because I'm healthy, I rarely use doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't think that 10 years from now, they might get a condition, and then they might want a specialist or self-refer and have complete freedom to pick Medicare, I'm sorry, medical providers. But here's the problem, is that you cannot switch at a later time from Medigap to Medicare Advantage. Most insurance companies will, at that time, will apply medical underwriting. And people seem to think that the wait the, wait you, but uh, you said it, I think you said it backwards. You can't switch at that point from Medicare Advantage to Medicare Gap. Is what correct. You, I, I think I said we, it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what I meant was you can't go from Medicare Advantage back to Medigap. Yeah. You might think that when I'm unhealthy, then I'll and I have got a condition, then I'll switch back to Medigap, yeah. so I have complete freedom in picking All my right. providers. And the mistake is that people hear from the Affordable Care Act that there's no more exclusions for pre-existing conditions, not so with Medigap plans. And so with Medigap plans, insurers are allowed to underwrite and either exclude you altogether if you have a pre-existing condition or charge you a higher premium. They cannot do that in the first six months that you're eligible. So as you go into Medicare eligibility at 65, they cannot apply underwriting, and there are no pre-existing exclusions. Right. But once you get beyond your initial enrollment period, at that point, if you want to switch, you're going to be subject to medical underwriting. Yeah. So now, and it completely makes sense. I mean, the, the whole point is Medicare Advantage would have little advantage if you could always just shift back um, when you really needed um, the big the big payment will almost be like you know not even buying insurance and then buying insurance <laughs> at the last second as, as right when you need it, which is not really much insurance uh, at that point. So you know I, I think that's a, a good point. Now some people might are I know they're they're wondering can I go the opposite direction? Suppose I elect Medicare Advantage. Um, no, I'm sorry, Med- I did it myself. Uh, traditional Medicare, <laughs> which is Part A, B, and D, and then, then you buy the optional uh, gap uh, uh, policy that comes from private, uh, the private market. And as you, you pointed out, very importantly, uh, they can't do uh, medical underwriting the first six months after you turn age 65 and qualify. Um, but suppose you go that route. Could I, you know, it turns out, hey, maybe I do want to shift for whatever reason. I get a little poor and they really need the money. I want to shift to Medicare Advantage later on. Uh, uh, talk about those rules. So in that case, you can make the switch. Yeah. So let me just be uh, articulate here is that yeah. you're, you're with traditional Medicare and Medigap, and then you decide to go to a Medicare Advantage plan, like you say, for lower premiums, or maybe you like the managed care environment. Sure. Um, there are many Medicare Advantage plans that are, have very robust networks of specialists. Yeah. So um, you may be happy with the, the, the providers in the network. 
you are able in an open enrollment period to make that switch. Yeah. And so everybody's subject to open enrollment. Once you're past your initial enrollment period, which is centered around age 65, then um, between October 15th and December 7th of every year, you're able to switch plans during open enrollment. Mm. And so you could switch out of Medigap and back to Medicare right. Advantage. Yep. And, time. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. What the government's really afraid of is what economists refer to as adverse selection. That is, you're, you know, you essentially wait till you get sick before, you know, pointing up kind of the bigger premiums uh, to get more specialized uh, care. So I'm speaking with Steve Vernon. He is the president of Rest of Life Communications. Again, we're talking about Medicare. Huge decision, important decision um, that you got to make. And so uh, also part of your retirement strategy. Many families going into retirement, even with m- traditional Medicare or as EBRI and Fidelity ben- benefits have shown, a, a couple going into retirement often paying a quarter million dollars in stuff that's not covered by Medicare during the rest of their life. And so, you know, figuring out the strategy here, very important. If you have a question about Medicare, give us a call here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Maybe you have a question for yourself or uh, a parent or grandparent. So, in the title of your article, your most important, you know, medic Medicare. Uh, decision and, and certainly knowing these four parts are very important. And we already kind of touched on this uh, a little bit, but really the most important decision is what? Let's summarize that. Well, the most important decision is to, as you approach age 65, mm-hmm. and I'd start six months before, you'd start investigating your options mm-hmm. so that you understand once your open enrollment period begins at around age 65, it's actually three months before age 65 is when you can enroll. Um, you know, and you've made a conscious decision that you either want Medicare Advantage and knowing that if you do that, you might be with them for the rest of your life, um, or traditional Medicare with a Medigap plan. Yeah, and really importantly, if you you sign up for traditional Medicare, you really got to make sure you sign up for that Medigap policy. Um, uh, very soon. If you wait beyond the six-month threshold, they can do uh, medical underwriting. And, and you just don't get do-overs um, with this one. So you, you uh, briefly mentioned this earlier, um, uh, uh, that in particular, Steve, that uh, there are certain things that aren't covered by Medicare. Certainly there are things that uh, even if they are covered, you still face potentially large co-shares, out-of-pocket medical expenses, and so forth. But what are some of the things that Medicare doesn't even cover at all that might be surprising to people? That's an important question, Kent. So thanks for asking that. So uh, Medicare does not cover costs for hearing aids, dental, or vision. Mm. And the only time they might cover... Um, dental or vision is if you have some kind of a trauma or an accident. Right. But if you just have the normal aging process with either hearing or dental um, or vision, Medicare doesn't cover that. Medigap doesn't usually cover that. And often Medicare Advantage plans won't cover it, although some of them will. Mm. So that's another important aspect to investigate is if you're looking in the Medicare Advantage, do they also have some provision for uh, vision or dental? Right. And There's it, another biggie, yeah. though, Kent, that let me yeah. mention, yeah. and a lot of people get confused by this, is long-term care. Yeah, yeah. 
And so let me distinguish. Long-term care is not medical care. Long-term care is when you're frail and you need help with activities of daily living. A lot of people mistakenly think that Medicare pays for that. It doesn't. Yeah. Medicare, Medigap doesn't pay for it. Medicare Advantage doesn't pay for it. Right. And so that's a biggie that a lot of people think mistakenly that Medicare might cover, but it doesn't. Yeah, in particular, you might get Medicaid coverage for that, but only if your assets have become very assets not including your house, uh, your primary house become very low and you're not getting any sort of income. And so we all know those the long-term care facilities uh, supported by Medicaid are often you know, substantially lower quality um, than if you have a private plan. Unfortunately, and I'm not sure how much work you do with the long-term care market. As you know, it's been kind of devastated. You know, so many of the large players have pulled out. Um, you know, very few of the big guys are left. You got New York Life, who's, who's left Northwest, uh, who's who's uh, who's still in the market, Northwestern. But you like MetLife, Mass Mutual, all the uh, other guys have, have pulled out some years ago. Um, so only about seven, eight percent of the, you know U.S. population even has long-term care, and a lot of those policies were bought before 2008. So somebody who's younger, you know, maybe in the 30s, 40s, 50s, let's say in their 50s, and they're thinking about getting a long-term care policy, often they're quite expensive. You know, New York Life stayed in because they're regular, a lot of them, you know, really increased prices. Um, they often find it, you know, very expensive, and it's a participating policy. You know, your premiums can go up, you know, there's daily caps, all that type of stuff. What's your advice in terms of, um, in the old days, we'd always say, yeah, get a long-term care policy. Uh, what's your advice about long-term care? Is it a good idea? Do you just have, do you suggest that people just kind of save for those needs directly? Uh, what's the advice you've been giving people? Well, long-term care is probably the most complex um, decision facing people. Yeah. And so there is no perfect solution, but that doesn't mean no solution. And so sure. there are, are a series of what I call imperfect solutions that are better than nothing. And so, um, yes, you could buy a long-term care insurance policy if they still exist. That's one possibility. Um, another is holding your home equity in reserve. And that is the asset you would tap if you needed long-term care, either mm-hmm. by getting a reverse mortgage or home equity loan. Um, you could set aside some savings that you don't draw down in retirement. Um, right. That might take 100000 or more of savings. Um, and another possibility could be to buy a deferred annuity that kicks in at age 80 or 85. Right, right. Um, so none of these are perfect. Yeah. but they're better than nothing. And so I advocate that as you are reaching your 50s and 60s, you do pay attention to this and make a conscious decision for one of these imperfect strategies. Yeah, in the case of the deferred annuity, potentially even earlier, now that you can link those with the 401k uh, uh, plans. Um, and so let's talk about premiums for, for Medicare versus kind of um, Medicare Advantage. Um, you know, how what, what have you been seeing in the last few years, I mean, um, uh, about premium increases? Um, how, much of a, how much of a gap is there now in kind of pricing between the average, say, Medicare Advantage plan is kind of all-inclusive versus getting the, you know, the, the Medicare A, B, and D in a gap uh, policy? Well, um, first of all, let's just go through the basics. Yeah. Uh, you've got a premium for Part B. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you'll pay that regardless of whether you're doing Medicare Advantage or, or traditional Medicare. Right, right. Um, there are some Medicare Advantage plans that are called zero premium plans that off that there's no more monthly premium. Uh, all you do is you pay your Part D premium. Um, now you have to be careful with those because typically they have higher coinsurance payments when you incur uh, medical expense. So. Um, you can find a Medicare Advantage plan to either have no additional premium or the additional premium might be lower than the premium for Medigap. Yeah. So that's, that's the attraction for a lot of people. Yeah, so let's think about um, the Medicare Advantage. As you pointed out, there's a lot of heterogeneity even with the NAP program. Some are zero premium on top of the... the that is on top of the Part B premium that you still have to pay, and then some of them are additional premiums in, in lieu of, you know, uh, in exchange for kind of lower copays and so forth. Um, if you're, if suppose that you know you're healthier, and this is, you know, in some sense, classic advert selection problem that, you know, you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go with the zero additional premium Medicare Advantage plan. And, you know, um, I'll just wait till I get a little sicker and then shift over to not traditional Medicare, because you pointed out you're now subject to um, uh, medical underwriting at that point. Um, but I'm going to shift to a Medicare Advantage plan that maybe has lower co-payments, but on top of it, uh, in exchange for a, a, a larger premium. Is that is that a, a challenge? Well, yes. And let me add that yeah. um, during open enrollment, you can switch from one Medicare Advantage plan to another Medicare Advantage plan. Right. Um, so the only challenge is switching from Medicare Advantage back to Medigap. That's where you have the underwriting is yeah. involved. So for anybody who's looking at Medicare Advantage, they'll want to weigh what is the premium they're paying, if there is one, versus the co-payments and the deductibles and the co-insurance that that Medicare Advantage plan might have. Yeah. And Getting back to that original decision, if you go the original Medicare with Medigap, now Medigap plans will pay for most or all of Medicare's co-payments and deductibles. So you might pay that Medicare, or I'm sorry, the Medigap premium, and then no more, you know, you're not paying anything because you've got deductibles and co-payments paid by the Medigap plan. Yep. So it doesn't. It's a kind of uh, decision where you want to look at your monthly premium, but you also want to look at what might you be paying when you incur expenses yeah. for medical care. So finally, just kind of let's boil it down because I like to be, have people kind of if-then you know, logic to kind of takeaways. The big decision, as you pointed out, you got to make this decision between Medicare Advantage and Medicare traditional uh, with the, the Medicare gap on top of it. Um, so it's, let's it's certainly it's it's kind of a no-brainer. If someone doesn't have a lot of money and the Medicare Advantage plan is a lot cheaper, that might be one motivation for them to go in that direction. Um, but so let's consider a person who could potentially afford the Medicare uh, traditional with a part A, B, and D with uh, gap uh, coverage on top of it. Um, so it's not going to be necessarily a financial strain for that person, but, you know, hey, why not get an extra parasification in a year if they can afford it through a Medicare Advantage program? So what 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 are the things that people should be looking 
at. Certainly, Medicare Advantage has less choice, um, uh, things like that. But help people make uh, some decisions. In particular, is, should they be looking at the Medicare Advantage network that they have access to and see if they're comfortable with it? Maybe they don't care so much about choice if they got those fancy neurosurgeons and everything else. Um, what, what are the big things that people should be uh, uh, the, the deciding factors in your mind? Well, you're, you started to mention them right there. Is that, uh, there are Medicare Advantage plans in large urban areas that have very extensive networks of specialists. Yeah. And if you're living in these large urban areas, and you may have had experience with them, you may have participated in their plan as an active worker. Right, right. Um, and you may be happy with that. Uh, out here in California and in many parts of the country, there's Kaiser. Kaiser, yeah. And Kaiser is a, a popular... Um, medical medical plan for workers, mm-hmm. and Kaiser has Medicare Advantage plans. So yeah. you just might say, I've been covered by them while I'm working, and I know the doctors, yeah. and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. And so you know, that can be a good decision. Um, where it's not quite as clear-cut is if you're, say, in a more isolated area where you're not close to the centers of the Medicare Advantage plans, um, or if you um, if you can afford the premiums for Medigap, then you know that might say, "Oh, let's go Medigap," because you're not only you've got more potential providers to access, but you have more flexibility down the road, and that might be important to you. Yeah, yeah, and so um, so these are the kind of considerations that I would think about. And I just give it some time. It's not something you'll make quickly. And this deserves several afternoons of study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But make it, you know, within that six months of of retire. Retirement. Yes, I remember Kaiser quite well in California. In fact, the, the irony is I was a, a Kaiser visiting professor at Stanford some many years ago, but I could not actually get Kaiser HMO. It just wasn't on their platform. It was kind of funny. But uh, Steve, fantastic job, a fantastic article, um, very informative and incredibly important decision that people have to make uh, once they hit retirement. Uh, Steve Vernon, again, again, president of uh, Rest of Life Communications. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Okay, thanks for having me. And you can find out more about Steve by simply going to his website, which is very simple to remember, is simply uh, restoflife.com. Again, restoflife.com. And again, he has an upcoming book being released in June 2018. It's uh, called Retirement Game Changers Strategies for a Healthy, Financially Secure, and Fulfilling Long Life. And so you're listening Your Money. I'm Kent Smith's Business Radio Series XM 111. Uh, remember, we're live every Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Repeat throughout the week. When you come back, you know the routine by now. I have a couple of financial advisors taking your calls with me about your own financial situation. So if you want to know how to invest your money, how to save for retirement, kids, college, buying insurance, paying down debt, really anything about your money, that's the show's name. Live on Tuesday. So pick up the phone right now and give me a call here at 1-844-WHARTON. That's one 844 4-2-7-8-6-6, and we'll be right back right after this quick break. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.